Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 Do you have a plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our healthy living coaches, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, as they engage in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovation, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your business and personal navigational skills for ultimate achievement. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners, and welcome to our empowered radio show, Star Style. Be the star you are. Brought to the airwaves under the species of Be the Star You Are charity. We're your hosts. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are coming to you live on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The best shortcut for you to have the life of your dreams is to know that you have already arrived. So in today's show, we are going to be uh, talking about making apologies and how to do that. We're also going to give a salute to my sister, Debbie, and we're going to talk about uh, her cowgirl garden in the third segment. But coming up right now, we're talking about something that is really rather serious. There's a widespread access to streaming video. It's driven an exponential increase in the viewing and sharing of explicit porn content. And then the result of this is that that young people today are having more trouble in relationships. So, Heather, we're going to talk about this because I think it's a really important um, topic. I was just reading something, I, in, I don't know if it was People Magazine or Time Magazine, about one of the girls who was part of the reality show, you know, The Girls Next Door. So mm-hmm. she originally started as one of Hugh Hefner's seven girlfriends, and then it went down to three. And, you know, it just made me think about uh, Playboy, how when I was growing up, that was like the big naughty magazine. It had a circulation (laughs) of 5.6 million. But today, 107 million people in the United States are on adult sites monthly. That's 259 million Internet users in the United States. So almost half are watching pornography. It's a $97 billion global industry. Uh, so obviously, that's uh, that's a kind of a big difference. And in this article, the the girl next door was talking about how she felt like she was a captive or a slave for ten years, living at the mansion. And she, you know, she started when she was like twenty, and he was like seventy nine. And oh God! I mean, can you imagine? It just sounds not sick judging. To me. I'm just saying. Wow, that's an age difference. That's not. Uh, even, yeah, not I, I, even, I am. Kind of, uh, I am kind uh, of judging. I don't like to many, be judgmental. Many times. 
Yeah, I don't like to be judgmental, but I think I am kind of judging. But all I was going to say is what she was talking about in this article is how she had no self-esteem. And then once she was there, she didn't know how to get out. And then how it has really changed her life and how people have looked at her since. So anyway, um, let's get to this porn alarm that we're talking about today. So where do we start with it? From what I've been reading I mean, it's really, really tough for girls, but it sounds like that re- respondents to the the surveys have indicated that they, you know, these are young men who grew up on it. They started like at age 10 or 11 viewing porn. And so by the time they're actually having sex with people that they may like, um, it doesn't really seem that great because they've had too much pornography. Yeah, well, you know what? Back back in the day, prior even you know before before me, um, you know, pornography sexuality is is life. But uh, you know, pornography, or at least how the way it's been explicitly displayed uh, within the United States, um, is back in the day you had to go to an actual pornography theater if you were going to see these kinds of things. I forget they they try to have it right. like a, they, you know they used to be like film or something you know. That the people, and that shows. on its own, you know, many people, they don't want to be seen. So, you know, these were these little tiny theaters. And then, you know, towards the 70s, getting into the 80s, it started be having um, now videos, all kinds of videos. You could watch it as, uh, starting in the 80s, more of a Disney movie. It was such, you know, revolutionary-wise to have home videos. And that also changed for the porn industry, that now people no longer had to publicly go out and say that, you know, they wanted to see these things, that they could have it um, at the access of their home. Again, you know, there was a price for it and expensive and you still had to, there's days before internet, so you still had to go into a store. And then revolutionary wise, for better and for worse, uh, that with the internet and which I think many great things have come with the internet as well as uh, not so much, but now things are a click away. Um, there was a study that showed uh, Pornhub, which I guess is a really big uh, porn site, uh, logged in, where is that number? I don't even know how to pronounce this number, uh, but it's something four trillion, quintillion, more hours oh have been gosh. logged in uh, regarding porn things and the amount of members they get. Um, they believe they have more than four million clicks in an hour, four million viewers an hour. Uh, with those hours logged in altogether, I mean, that, it adds up that gets to back more to that, hours the ninety-seven than billion humans dollar have even existed in the world. Um, but as we know, and we've talked so much of this being a health thing, that with convenience uh, doesn't necessarily mean uh, good things for us. Just think of fast food. It revolutionized our society that now we can have, you know, TV dinner. We can have something instantly, fast on the go, which is great for time, for convenience, for time things. But for health-wise, as we know, it's not good. And with most times with junk food, uh, it's that instant satisfaction. It feels really good when you're having it. And then it can feel really bad afterwards. You don't feel good. You feel run down. You feel kind of, I should have made healthier decisions. And that can be with porn, too. Um, I'm not, I'm definitely saying I'm, I'm not trying to be judgmental if some people porn can can enhance some people's relationships and there can be healthy ways to view it uh, me speaking personally I just never really it's always seemed a bizarre 
thing to me. I've, I've not that I'm uncomfortable with those things. I just, I don't know. I just always found it so bizarre to be watching other people. It's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't do that for me. So I'm, I'm not. Right. But You're not a voyeur, in other words. You're not I'm a voyeur. I'm not a voyeur in that way of enjoying watching. But what we've seen is before, I mean, I remember in sixth grade, a boy, I don't know if he got expelled or he just got suspended and it was such a big talk of the school because he had, Kick, he had cut out clippings from some nudie magazine, and in the boys' locker room was was showing, yeah, you know, some, some boobies, and that was so big. And now, I mean, well, and you know, that's it. the way it used to be. I mean, I, re- I, I just, you know, if you would talk to most boys that were my age, I mean, they were like trying to, uh, you know, steal or borrow or whatever. Their, yeah, there was like their, the community uh, Somebody's playboys. <laughs> or if you really Someone were nasty, it was Found down by the river, you know, something like that. But now, I mean, everything is instantly accessible. And especially, we you know, with phones. Phones are becoming our everything, are becoming our computers, are becoming our tablets. We have instant access on it. And kids can access that at school, on school. They can show pictures. Uh, videos and what's happening for for us I think by not and probably even more so with you of not growing up um, in such this intense technological age is uh, technology is a great thing our society that's the way it's going we need to support society in the way that we advance and I think we always have these oh you know back in my day but with advancements also come things that are not you know in part of the plan originally and with this access to porn though um, you know websites may have click here if you're 18 and and alcohol ones are required to say click you know if you're 21 you have to put the age well as you know anyone can just they're not you know you're not sending in and right you don't have to send in any kind of birth certificate (laughs) exactly exactly you just type in whatever year will make you at least 18 will make you at least 21 and there you go you have complete access to it and now more and more what's even more is that people i still not this how do they even make money with it but so much isn't that you even have to pay for things that people can watch videos and and see images for 100% free if you just google type in um explicit words uh, thousands and thousands of things will come up. And with that accessibility, as we know, as our brains are growing, things that we learn at a younger age and we're exposed to create habits for us, create a normalcy. That's why for all different issues, and I don't mean to say issues, for all different uh, things in life that, that people may have or the way the things that shape us as humans is things that we were exposed to as humans. And, and that's as simple as cooking meals. That someone might say, well, oh, I never grew up with that, so you know, having dinner together is a really foreign thing for me or someone grew up that every night you you eat dinner together so that feels like that's the norm like I need to sit and eat with people to feel normal um and that happens with with porn now is before it was you know this hidden thing and with kids having so much access to it it's sort of it's changing their brains and seeing it at this young age when you know they're just starting to learn about sexuality they learn about the bodies and Seeing, you know, these images of these people and these acts um, is causing me to think that this is normal things. And so boys, what's happening is by the time they're being exposed to it at such a young age, by the time that they are choosing to be sexually active, they feel less aroused by these things. In some ways that there's been studies showing it's uh, potentially actually causing um 
uh, erectile dysfunction in, in certain men, uh, that they feel that when it comes to it without, without uh, having uh, porn around them or without being able to visualize it, or even just when they're around, uh, you know, their sexual partner, they can't feel the way that they are thinking they will because they're, all they think about are these, intense porn scenes and as you know that you know and, and is- also i think too i think what's happened in that same light is the expectation on the women that they're with their girlfriends and- or their partners is that they're they want them to perform like porn stars and i was just reading how girls are really confused by some of this because men have, you know, eroticized them so much uh, with these uh, porn things that they don't know what to do now. You know, they just feel like they have to perform without even knowing what part they're playing. So they're trying to be the fantasy girl, but they can't really. It can play, and you know, there I. I don't remember the name of it. I think it was called Saving Our Daughters or Saving Jane or something. It was this documentary on HBO. I'm sure if you Google click away. Um, but it followed this girl, I think, from 10 to 12. And, uh, you know, it's just showing the girls, you know, how girls see can look, you know, it's not just men. And some people, you know, find it's, it's that thing, it's fascinating. At this young age, you're seeking questions and especially sexual. There's so many things out there, you know, we, we have so many questions and people are, you know, scared to talk to your parents or their parents won't tell them. And, and by, again, the internet can be a great resource to find this knowledge, but, uh, porn is an, an, my personal, an unhealthy way of thinking of that is the norm. That is the real thing is that most of the time, you know, the, the bodies of these people are sort of a bar, you know, fake booze. They've, they've had. Well, they're all fake. Reduction. You just hit it. Everything is and really fake these and scenarios, it's enhanced. It's never, Everything is enhanced. It's not showing, you know, this is a couple. This is someone who, uh, you know, feels mutual feelings. A lot of time it's portrayed almost in a way that could be viewed as rape that the people, they right. And you know, I want willing to, to it. Um, it seems like, come here, you know, you're going to have sex with me. And somehow within, you know, this, this time frame, uh, the, the female character in it, you know, goes from saying, no, I don't want this to, wow, you know, and, and, and loving this. And then there's, there's this sense of really, I think, what I think with porn. And now there can be, you know, more porn that's tailored to women, but things seem very degrading to women that happen. And that becomes the norm of that this is what happens in sexual things. And girls go into thinking this, that that's what you're supposed to do, that this is, these are the the acts and expecting, okay, uh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing here. I'm supposed to be having multiple partners for my first time. I'm supposed to be doing uh, some things that are, you know, maybe go outside the bounds of, at that time and um, well you know what and what you're also saying there I think is really important is that so what you just said about you know the woman says no and she keeps saying no but then that physical aggression towards the women then all of a sudden she starts acting like it's pleasurable so that gives men who are watching these kind of videos thinking that's how they have to act and that's really horrible because when women, you know, rape is rape, and so when you're yeah. saying to stop, um, and these porn, these porn sites are saying, oh well, you know, you just keep going, and the pain and the debasing activity is supposed to be enjoyable. So it's very confusing for everyone, you know. And I just wanted to give a statistic here. You probably have some too. 
Over 40% of kids ages 10 to 17 have seen or experienced porn online. That's a lot. And then by college, 90% of men and 33% of women engage in porn viewing. And porn users are more likely than their peers to measure their masculinity, their social status, and their self-worth by their ability to score with hot women. So that's really having a horrible effect, I think. I think that is a really kind of scary statistics. And, you know, and something that these studies have shown, too, is by being exposed to these things at a younger age, um, as many things, you become bored with it, that uh, like people, they start seeking sort of more intense things, more, more fetish things, more things that seem more rapey, more rapey, more, more aggression, and, and, that's, and that's changing their brains um, so that when these times come, as you said, they're acting out more aggressively or they're seeking these things that um, I think you can start going down a very dark path of what right. is going to arouse you, what is something that entices you. And one of the, I mean, the leading things, and not just saying that, you know, erectile dysfunction is, is the uh, main thing, uh, you know, that's affecting men with it, but a, a main cause of um, uh, erectile dysfunction is depression. And I think, you know, what happens in your brain, you're neurologically changing your reward factors. And the, they've showed that your brain reacts the same to porn and the same part of your brain that reacts to the reward system of uh, drugs, candy, that, you know, that seeking something and getting adrenaline, excuse me, adrenaline, and that rewards. And more and more, they're seeing that, you know, they're watching these things and not feeling aroused by it. So then when they're in a real-life situation and it's not like these you know, over-the-top things that they're seeing, they're sort of let down. And that's causing them to feel depressed. It's fine to feel all these negative feelings and have that sense of kind of loss of that human spirit with another human. It's odd that, you know, they're watching things watching things that are depicting two humans or multiple humans, uh, you know, engaging in sexual activity. But when they are in that human-to-human contact, um, they themselves don't, do not feel engaged. And uh, they don't have any real, they don't really have any connection. It's just all this physical connection. And, and it becomes, and exa- and it becomes an addiction. Exactly. And that's in, you know, many people weigh on it if, you know, sex. It is, I think in this world today, I think so many things, can be addictive because we are, as I said, this technological society, everything is now, now, now. We should have had it yesterday. The thing is, we uh, there are many great things about having things completely at our access, um, but it's also very isolating that now I don't even have to go to the grocery store if I don't want to or ever go out and get food. I can just go on my computer. There's websites that will go and pick these things up for me and deliver it. My only human interaction will be, you know, opening the door and getting it. And that, you know, some people working from home, that more and more we have these things that are convenient in the way to ourselves that are supposed to allow us more time for our life, but really they're isolating us and making us less connected with humans, less so that, you know, we're drawn to these things that we're isolating us into ourselves that we can't even have these emotions, that, that we're confused by our own emotions or seeking something even deeper. And I think when it, it happens with children at such an, uh, a young age, and you can put, you know, uh, restrictions on phone, I think what it gets to is just really having these open conversations in the beginning because things keep getting more and more intense and more... Uh, uh, populated out there um, about what you just I think 
when it especially comes to, to youth, um, and this is probably coming from uh, working in um, reproductive health, is it's so powerful to start at a young age. And you use age-appropriate and things about talking about sexuality, about talking about what is and is not uh, healthy relationships. And especially many things, they said, I'm not, you know, trying to be anti-porn with things, but there are so many for all ages. Well, I think what like, you're talking about is having a healthy relationship as opposed exactly. to one that is it's really that, degrading that because... Is- yeah, those when we think about that 12 million hours a day are spent viewing porn, I mean, 12 million hours a day, that's it's just mind boggling. And, and the fact that the average age that uh, little boys first view porn is 11 to 13, I think that's kind of scary. And I actually um, knew somebody who's son, they, she thought that he was just like really, you know, a computer nerd because as soon as he would get home from school, he would run to his room and be on his computer and she was really happy oh until she checked his computer one day and everything he was doing was porn. Wow. And so that's pretty, and, and it took, you know, it took like some therapy and counseling and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, and he was like 12 years old or something at the time, so... That's kind of scary. That I mean, it's not yeah, kind of. And, it really is scary. And you know something that's kind of fast. I think at when, especially when it comes, I think towards magazines. I think is I just think of when I was in I don't know fifth grade when you're younger. There was this magazine called YM, like Young and Modern, and I felt so mature. I think it's targeted towards like seven, you know, kind of high school kids, you know, junior high, high school. And then when I was in junior high, I would read 17, and I thought, oh, I'm so cool. And then in high school, I was reading Cosmo. Cosmo. And, and, you know, and and because when you're a little bit younger, you want something targeted, you feel, wow, so mature. And then now, you know, I'm like, ooh, Time Magazine, how exciting. Um, But something that's interesting when you touch about uh, uh, Playboy in the beginning is when we're exposed to these things when we're younger and we think this is what adult things, this is what is going on. When we're older, our views of things are much more different, and I think we want something a little more uh, moderate. And uh, uh, Playboy uh, actually is no longer, uh, it's more sort of uh, what's, the mag- maxim. It's sort of more, more like a maxim, sort of like a little peekaboo. Maybe you can, you, you can see she has a lingerie on, but but it's not fully exposed. That Playboy. Well, no you know what? I just heard. I don't images. know. I just read somewhere that Playboy is actually stopping uh, showing nudes. So yeah, you know, I think when I was growing act- up, every guy looked at Playboy, and it was like, oh God, not another Playboy. And but the reasoning was always, oh, I'm only looking at the, I'm only no, they never said they were looking the at the articles. They were always reading the articles. And, yeah, and, then they <laughs> and it would be like, really, come on, just own yeah. up to it. What is, the, you know, this is <laughs> like crazy. I'm reading the articles. Oh right. Well, I think now that's what. That's what it's about, is reading the article. Exactly, exactly, because there is sort of this movement of, uh, not to say more refinement, but that there is some of this this oversaturation of, uh, some people are kind of turned off by that now, that there is this over, you know, porn hub so much that they want something a little bit more refined, that there is, there is still that sensuality of not everything being exposed. Hence why, you know, Victoria's Secret, this multi-billion dollar lingerie firm, 
uh, is that with lingerie, and as you know, it usually doesn't stay on very long, but it is that kind of people, this, this, there's right. that illusion of sexuality. Exactly, exactly. I mean, when everything is there, you know, available to see, there, there's no mystery. So, you know, it's like, what's the fun in that? And I think that's and why that's Victoria's exactly, Secret has And been, that's exactly what's leading to these issues, I think, is said it's that when we're exposed, when we have so much, we don't realize that our, their brains, our brains are being chemically trained by this, uh, changed by this exposure to all these images, and that's why it doesn't have the same reward system of, oh, that's the name, that's why. So as we're drawing to a close, is there um, a solution? Is there something that either we as parents can do to help our kids I mean, obviously, at home, you can put, you know, these things on the computer and all of that kind of stuff. The only problem with that is that kids are still going to go to school and they're going to go to ball games and go to friends' houses. And, you know, it's still going to be there. But is there anything, I mean, what is yeah, the... Well, as you know, as a parent, better than I would myself of not having any children yet, is the world is a scary place, and, um, but it's a wonderful place, and you can never 100% know what your kids are doing, where they're doing, and you don't want to, part of living life is we, you know, we grow up, we tell all oh, those, those stories, the things we got away with, and, you know, you have to let kids experience, and let, but also uh, looking out for the ways is be open yourself. If there's things that you're scared they'll be exposed to, Share this information. As I said, instead of, you know, I mean, I think it's definitely smart to put, you know, some uh, preventional things on the computer if you have younger children or on, on their phones, all that kind of stuff. But talk with them. Have these open conversations. Why this issue is so big in America, why you don't see that um, European countries have high, these high rates of people saying that they're addicted to porn is because sexuality has been something that's been um, discussed and more open within their uh, societies for so long. We have such this imperial society that we are so ruled by, you know, uh, moral things and the church and this, and we, you know, we have the whole Bible belt in, in the middle of our state that um, so many people are, are afraid to share information with their children um, because um, they're afraid, you know, of what may happen to things, especially with sexuality. But the so crazy part is, is the less that you share, the more that they want to seek. Exactly. So the it's more, sort of that whole thing is if you out. tell them no, they just want to, they want to go. It's like, you yeah, know, tell so, them, yes, the tell me no, watch me out. go. You know, it's like, yeah, we have to be so careful. Um, there was a statistic by Gordon and Price Report and Sex Research in 2015 and it showed that 20% of men and 35% of women believe that um, porn should be illegal. And that's kind of a lot of people when you think about, I have no idea how you could make it illegal. I mean, what are you going to do? Somebody's at their house, you're going to pound on their door and arrest them, you know, for, yeah. for having that. I mean, it's that's kind of, that's that's scary as well. But there has to be some way that we can... Um, take the reins back, though, because I think the sad part is that young children are exposed to it, and they're going to be exposed to it younger and younger, and you just hope to goodness that it doesn't lead to um, rapes and kidnappings and molestations and all the bad things that can happen to both, you know, uh, guys, you know, girls and boys, and that's, exactly. the, to me, that's what's really scary. 
Exactly. And just a lack of understanding of what is a healthy relationship. So I think you share this information. You share, and over time, you know, kids will find things. Kids experience with things. But I think the best thing as a parent's tool is to have an open line of communication, to talk with your kids, to talk about, you know, of, of even, you know, the, the dangers of porn, of what is, of what's being depicted of these things. At the time, it's confusing for kids. They don't know the full information. So what you see is what you get. It's just like, you know, the, the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus and, and cartoons and things. Things you don't fully understand or grasp um, are, are going to change the way you view things from when you learn them at a young age to how they're perceived as an adult. So I think the best tool as a parent is to have these lines of communication. There are many websites now um, and uh, blogs set up for people who feel that they do have an addiction or or uh, you know questions. But I think as a parent, the best line of defense is starting with a young age of having those lines of communication that your kids can feel comfortable asking you questions, especially about sexuality, and that you can uh, feel comfortable explaining and discussing to them what are healthy relationships and what is depicted and what isn't good. And, and I think that's where I we start from there. I completely agree with you, and I really do think, too, that the most important thing, as you said, is communication. And when kids feel that they can talk to you and trust you and always be age appropriate. When kids are really little, they ask questions. But, you know, sometimes they don't need a great big detailed answer. They just want a very simple answer. And we're thinking of going into detail. So I think that's where we have to be careful. Well, this was really fascinating. I think this was a a topic I really hadn't even thought about until I started uh, started reading it. I was just shocked that 259 million internet users yeah. in the U.S. are watching porn. I mean, that is a lot of people. That's half of the population of the United States. So that's really crazy. So Heather, um, do you have any uh, takeaway or a final word with this? Uh, no, my, you know, just kind of touching on everything and that, uh, one thing, uh, I was just reading statistics about, uh, I mean, and that gets onto a whole other topic about with, with, uh, pornography and, and porn actors, but, uh, one of the, uh, few, uh, occupational things, uh, that women actresses in these films, uh, out earn men is the only kind of triumph I really saw out of that. Um, but still, the the amount of pay that they're given is still very, uh, uh, for me personally, I think, very sad um, for what exactly they're doing. So um, as something that an uplifting and positive media and a positive website that has nothing to do with porn, we would love you to check out our websites by going to bethestarryouare.org as well as starstyleradio.com. Exactly. And I was in, on that same light again. Um, I evidently, Nevada, the state of Nevada is leading the country in new cases of syphilis and gonorrhea, and we do know why. So we have to, um, there's just so much going on. There's so many things that can go wrong. So I do love the idea of, you know, be open with your kids. And uh, if you are someone who, you know, who is 
um, feeling like you're addicted to pornography or addicted to anything, there is help out there for you. So just know that and uh, make sure that you get the help that you need. Well, great segment, Heather. I think I really, I did really enjoy that. It's always good to learn something new. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about apologies. Do you know how to say you're sorry and mean it? Is that a hard one for you? It really is for most people. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. Don't go away. I'll be right back with you. Star you are, the star you are, be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is called... Well, our party is uh, just part in the middle right now, and we are going to be talking about apologies. We're going to kind of keep on that theme of love, chemistry, and relationships, because apologies can be hard to give and receive, but how you make amends is everything to your relationship. And if you really want to have a... You know, a good relationship, you have to be able to say, I'm so sorry, or my bad, or forgive me, and you really have to be able to mean it. So that's what we're going to be talking about in this segment. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Yeah, so, you know, we all want to walk through life with a confident swagger, yet there are really times when we do things that we regret, like saying something hurtful usually in the heat of the moment, or maybe we just make a bad judgment call, or we just make a mistake. I mean, we're all human, right? It happens. But if you are um, out there dating, and if your dating experiences have taught you anything, it might be that it's how you say you're sorry is what will either be the end of an argument or the start of a new one. And this just, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about friends a romantic relationship, uh, um, you know, a a marriage, a partnership, whatever. 
a genuine mea culpa, the kind where you dig deep and you really mean it, it really resolves the tensions. While a curt, sarcastic one, you know, like when you roll your eyes, or is kind of just like a slap in the face. So we all know that relationships are complicated, but learning to apologize sincerely and with intention is what's going to bring you closer. And in a romantic relationship, it's going to make you a stronger couple. So here are some things to keep in mind. You have to remember that we are all wired differently. And unless you've had years of therapy or, you know, some amazing other kind of learning experience, uh, you may have to relearn some life skills. And, you know, relearning something is really good for you. Most of our apology styles come from childhood. Now, it depends how you were raised, and it depends how people said they were sorry in your family. Some people grew up saying, I'm sorry the second a storm hit, which maybe doesn't even mean anything. Others would have to wait for days of steaming and, you know, stomping around or contemplating. In some families, they deal with conflict by having a really good fight and maybe then a good laugh, and then maybe they drop it. That's not so unhealthy, but not particularly deep either. So we have to learn to talk it out. You've got to, you have to talk it out with somebody. You know, as Heather was saying in the last segment, how communication is so key. Well, communication is key for everything. And we have to learn to take a deep breath and get beneath the muck. It takes patience. It takes maturity. But in time, you'll find that sweet spot. So you have to recognize that apologizing is an emotional muscle and it needs to be exercised and it needs to be developed over time and that it gets easier as you go along. But it can help two of you stay calm in the face of big feelings. Now, what you have to know what you are apologizing for. There are, you know, sweet little sorries. You know, I, I, the dog ate my homework kind of apologies. But then there are the more complex, the brutal ones like, Maybe you flirted with somebody who was not your partner more than once, and it might be worth considering. Why did you feel the need to turn elsewhere to get some attention or affection? And if you don't address the root of the issue, you're going to formulate you know, a, a really non-cohesive relationship, and there's always going to be that underlying argument. So you really have to make an effective apology that allows both of you to begin to heal. The upside of it is this. It's a great excuse for self-reflection and for growth. And when you own up to the truth, such as your emotional or your sexual needs that are not being fulfilled, you're going to be much more likely to be heard and find a way forward together. Now, another thing about apologies that I have found over the years is, you know, all of us make mistakes and we all, we all um, need to apologize for one time or another. But sometimes... You know, you just don't feel like apologizing. However, if there's a fight that's ensuing and you give a sincere apology, like, you know, I, yes, I, I broke that glass and I am so sorry. I will get a new one. I really didn't mean to. The argument can't go on because once you have apologized, you really can't continue arguing. However, there's a caveat to that. You do not want to apologize obsessively. If the original apology comes from the heart, once is enough. And if that doesn't satisfy your partner, the issue might be with him or with her. And alternatively, if you're being apologized to in a meaningful way, you got to just let the words sink in. 
And for your own sake, don't drag it out. It really, it's like, you know, forgive, forget, and forge ahead. You may not forget, but you got to forge ahead and you have to not bring it up again. If it feels phoned in, you know, like, you know, just like off the cuff, then you go for a run, you wait until things calm down, and then you try a little teamwork talk. Start with something like, you know, I'm really still upset. Can we talk together to find a better resolution for this? But, you know, people who apologize for every little thing, like somebody says, oh, the milk went bad. Oh, I'm sorry. And it's like, what? Well, why would you be sorry? You didn't make it go bad. You know, so you want to not get onto that treadmill of apologizing for everything. Now, the next thing is to go easy on yourself. We all screw up sometimes. <laughs> we all say silly things, stupid things, crazy things, and we make some huge indefensible mistakes. I mean, it's, again, part of being human. As I like to say, we are humans in training. But in the lighter scenarios, you know, like something rips or something, you know, something breaks. One option is to throw away the words and apologize through actions. Like, you might want to do something special like, you know, make a home-cooked meal or bring flowers or slip a love note inside your partner's bag or their briefcase. Just make sure that what you do is also what is good for your other half or your partner. And then work on handling whatever comes next because you're going to have a lot of mistakes in your life and you have to learn how to handle them. And just remember that saying, I am really sorry, or I didn't mean to do that, or my bad, or my sincerest apologies, or that won't happen again. I I really screwed up this time. Owning up to what you've done wrong can make all the difference between a happy relationship and one that is always fighting and squabbling. Now, when we come back from break, we're going to take a walk through my sister's garden. I'm going to give a tribute to my cowgirl sister, Debbie. Don't go away. I'm Cynthia Bryan. I'll be right back. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you ever have grumpy customers? I mean, what do you do when a customer you're working with becomes unnecessarily unreasonable? Sometimes you are in no mood for confrontation and would prefer to tell them to go jump in a lake. But of course, that approach will only result in the loss of business for you. So here's a tactic to try first. Pause a few seconds. Take a deep breath. And listen carefully to the complaint of the customer. Ignore all the emotions surrounding the customer's attitude as it is just too easy to get pulled into the argument. Acknowledge that you have heard his complaint by repeating it and then explain your point of view very calmly and clearly pointing out the company policies or the terms of your signed agreement. But then address genuine concerns that the customer may have and make it clear that you intend to fulfill your part of your guarantee. Usually, just by listening and finding out how the customer would like the issue to be resolved leads to a satisfactory solution for everyone. Rules are designed to be flexible. So if you feel that the long-term relationship with this customer is more valuable than just being right, 
Do everything in your power to satisfy his complaint and you'll gain a client for life. It takes five times more time and money to replace a customer than to keep one. So remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star to Style. For information on coaching or consultation, go to CynthiaBryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827. Be the star you are, the star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion dollars. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling. Well, my appreciation for staying with me here on Star Style. Be the star you are. I am Cynthia Bryan. And we're going to take a romp, a wistful romp, through a drought-resistant oasis that is my sister's garden, and I call it the Cowgirl Garden. Some of you might have uh, read some of my LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter accounts, and we've really had a very sad month here. My younger sister uh, died this past week, and... I had walked with her in her garden before she was sick um, just a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, we we grow all the same things. And so we had such a a good time because she's very country western. She could have lived in the Old West. And I I was taking pictures and I wrote an article to be published. Unfortunately, she did not live to see the article published But I think that you'll enjoy it because there's a lot of interesting things on how to create a really unique garden. And for those of you who have sent cards and emails and notes and all of that of condolences, I just want to say thank you so very much. It really has meant a lot. It's been really, really hard um, on the family, all of us, and um, I'm still in recuperation mode. But I'm still here on the radio with you because no matter what, the show must go on. That's the way life is, right? Life goes on, and that's what Debbie would have wanted. So this is called In My Sister's Garden, A Wistful Romp Through a Cowgirl Garden. Uh, Spring is the time of year when it is summer in the sun and winter in the shade. And that is something that my sister loved very much was summer and the sunshine. So one of the great things about growing up on a farm in the boondocks is that your tribe is your family. 
We five siblings were as thick as thieves as we climbed trees, worked the fields, pulled fences, drove tractor, branded cattle, and planted the spring garden. We played, we quarreled, we dug in the dirt together, and by the time May arrived, we ached to get our hands grubby in that vegetable patch. Waiting for the vegetables to sprout and be harvested taught us patience and responsibility. And of course, Mom's beautiful flower gardens would already be a bloom by this time of year, getting us into constant trouble because we were forever picking bouquets, not only for her, but for teachers and 4-H leaders and Sunday masses. As we grew into adults, our lovely earth grew as well. Following in the big shoes of my father, my brother continued the family tradition of being a farmer and has one of the most beautiful vineyards in the county. Our mother's love of gardening instructed the gardens of her girls. Recently, I walked with my sister Debbie through her eclectic garden. This, there is a saying that you can take the girl out of the country, but you can never take the country out of the girl. Well, with Deb, she's never left the land where we were born. She's a country cowgirl through and through. She's always adorned with her cowboy hat, rodeo belt, buckle, and boots. She hunts, she fishes, she grows her own food, and she would have relished being a pioneer in the 1870s. Debbie and her husband are the ultimate recyclers and repurposers. With their barnyard of adopted animals, pigs, goats, donkeys, chickens, horses, even Texas longhorns at one time, all the weeds and garden cuttings feed the animals and the manure is then recycled back to the garden. They collect rooftop rain runoff in used wine barrels and then they pipe it to a storage tank to help with summer watering. It's never enough, but every drop helps. Their garden art includes rusted plows, wooden uh, swings, a plethora of homemade birdhouses, multiple fountains made from found objects, wagon wheels, antlers, oh, the cutest country chicken coop you ever did see, and a sleeping shed that they just call the cabin, outfitted with a bear hide, antique fishing gear, pine cones, and found treasures of every sort. From their patio, they watch the wildlife on their property. Deer, bobcats, raccoons, turkeys, skunks, coyotes, and the occasional mountain lion. It's a playful, restful garden setting, albeit with a watchful eye for the rattlesnakes because they enjoy this oasis as well. Now, what I've always loved about Debbie's garden is how it reflects her unique cowboy personality, her love of the land, her admiration for the history of the Wild West. As we ambled around the property with her happy dogs in the lead, the songbird sang, a bevy of butterflies delicately landed on their flowers, and the koi in the pond swam to the surface to greet me. This time together, immersed in this sustainable landscape, nurtured my soul, and brought our childhood memories to vivid life. And although we grow the same plants, the same shrubs, the same trees and succulents in both of our gardens, our designs and aesthetics are completely different. And that is the beauty of creating a garden, making it your own special paradise where you can find peace, tranquility, and restoration in tandem with the wild kingdom. So here are some tips to create your own unique playground. Don't overthink it. Make lists of everything you enjoy in a garden and then just do it. Be conservation conscious as well as considerate of nature. Be creative. Think swaths and angles, circles and flow. There is nothing more boring than a box. The hardscape must include natural materials, rocks, gravel, barnwood, shells, or anything that's meaningful to you. Instead of buying art for the garden, repurpose childhood toys, old sinks, even a commode overflowing with flowers is comical. Be playful. When you're going to spend time in the outdoors, you want to enjoy yourself. Allow your personality to shine. Add surprises, secret gardens, hedged rooms, anything that will enhance the whimsical and magical element to your garden experience. 
lead to a focal point or a view with meandering paths, walkways, and trails. Invite the pollinators, bees, butterflies, birds by providing housing, nectar flowers, protection, fountains, and ponds. Then mix it up. For a drought-resistant garden, consider an array of beautiful succulents, cactus, lavender bulbs, iris, daylily, geraniums, and other plants that'll add color, texture, form, and structure, yet require little maintenance and minimal water. A potager, pots, or an area designated for edibles and herbs is a must-have. There's nothing better than picking your dinner from your own property. Benches, swings, lounge chairs, umbrellas, and places to unwind, watch the clouds, savor the sunsets, and marvel at the stars. Make your garden your home. So what's so fun about our family gardening experience is the sharing that we all do in each other's clips, snips, cuttings, bulbs, and volunteers. Although we grow the same specimens, and as we strolled and admire our handiwork, none of us can ever remember who gave what to whom first. So as I said farewell to my sister, she handed me a hand-painted tin filled with blooming echeveria from clippings I had given her a few years before. We shared a laugh, and the circle of life continues. And unfortunately, as I said, my sister died a few days before this article was published this week, and she is now gardening in eternity. So I say happy trails to you, Debbie, and thank you for sharing your cowgirl life with all of us. We celebrate you, and we celebrate your life. I have just a couple of mid-month fresh ideas of tips for you before we close out for today. Check your irrigation lines and sprinkler systems for leaks because water districts remind us that our California drought is not over yet. And if you're in any place in the Southwest, you just got to be really water conscious. Release ladybugs into your garden if you spot aphids. Now, ladybugs, also called lady beetles, only stay in a garden when there is sufficient food. If yours fly away, don't be dismayed. Pat yourself on the back as your garden is healthier than a neighboring landscape. Tuck edibles into your flower beds. Parsley and garlic chives look especially handsome as a border. You can regrow scallions by sticking the root ends in water after snipping. You'll get a fresh crop very quickly. So, you know, don't waste those root ends. Just stick them in a glass of water. Scatter wildflower seeds in an area where you want a wild natural appearance. It's still not too late. And harvest overwintered root crops such as carrots and parsnips before they lose their flavor and robustness. And then don't forget to thin apples and stone fruit to ensure a bigger, healthier harvest. You want to leave two to three fruit per cluster. Now, plums are almost ripe here in California, and especially the wild plums. There are lots and lots of uh, small Small plums, so you might want to feed the extras that fall, give them to the birds. Remember that skin May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month, and skin cancer is the most common form of cancer in the United States. And as the unofficial start to summer begins Memorial Day weekend, I want to just encourage you to educate yourself about the sun. So whether you're at the beach or in the garden, be sure to wear sunscreen. Check your skin regularly as early detection is key. And when you're outside, you know, wear a hat and wear sunglasses because you want to take care of your head and you want to take care of um, of not only your skin but your eyes. To read the article, you can go to the La Mirinda Weekly and look for Digging Deep with Cynthia Bryan. 
So thank you so much for listening to Heather and I every week here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We want to make sure that you're always tuned in to Voice America Empowerment Channel Wednesdays 4 to 5 p.m. That is 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. And we will always bring you something new and exciting and different advice uh, so that you can be more successful in your life because we want you to know that you can change your life and make your dreams come true. For information about Star Style Productions, you can visit my website, CynthiaBryan.com. If you'd like to book a, a session, 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827. Please make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this show. We've been broadcasting live since 1998, and we could appreciate your tax-deductible contributions Go to bethestarur.org. To learn more about back issues of our radio shows, you can visit starstyleradio.com. My aim is to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you. And I'd like you to always speak as if your dreams already exist because when you act like they do, they will. And until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins. Kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. I'm thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Have a fabulous week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference, and we'll be together next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Network Empowerment Channel. Star Style Radio. Thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.